0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay. I'm about to put Violet to bed. Do you want to do a patio session after?
1: Mm, Why don't we see if either of us falls asleep while you're doing that? And if not, then I will come over.
0: (laughs) Okay. Good plan. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living at the moment in Puerto Rico. And with me is my high school friend and
1: writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles.
0: Today, we're gonna talk about how everyone is right, which can make things feel oh so wrong. Then we've got two questions from the mail room. Plus, we're going to talk about a tool of the trade
1: in the craft and fame. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack will help you relax when relaxing seems impossible. But first, we have an update. We want to thank everyone out there who wrote in with their bug spray suggestions.
0: Oh my gosh, we got so many suggestions, both about things like sprays and wipes and various liquids of various <laughs> kinds, but also about devices that will repel mosquitoes. I don't know how they work. They're magical somehow. Um, I haven't been able to get one of those because I'm worried about having it shipped here when we're not going to be here that much longer. But I am definitely getting one for Minnesota, which is also a mosquito kind of place.
1: Yes, because further updates, Sarah, you're going to spend more time in Minnesota after Puerto Rico. You're going to go from here to Minnesota to Ohio, So once again, you'll be in the closet in Minnesota recording, but not for several weeks. <laughs> yes. Um, also want to thank everyone for their bug bite remedies. If you actually get the bite, there are things you can do to make them feel better, which we did not know. So thanks, everybody. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk" Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's Everyone Is Right. So we yes. have to explain what this means. Yeah.
0: So last week, we talked about, I think it was a listener of Happier with Gretchen Rubin, right, who wrote in about cussing and discussing. Yes.
1: The idea that you start a difficult conversation by saying, okay, we know there's going to be some cussing and discussing, and then it kind of lightens the mood.
0: Yes. And so we are fully embracing uh, cussing and discussing uh, because there's just a lot of it going on right now. And one of the things that makes cussing and discussing extra challenging
1: is that everyone is right. Yes. It's like everyone's arguing their point and there's no clear answer because everybody's point is a correct point. Everyone has their own agenda and every agenda is important and everyone is right. So what does that mean? Let's break it down.
0: Yeah. So we, we tried to think of a very specific, um, example of this. And one example is the notion of a big script, because when we look at our scripts, we're saying this is not a big script it's it's 44 pages it's 39 scenes like this is just simply in the context of all of the television that we have made in our careers not a big script and should be producible yes
1: however and we're right <laughs> yes we're right <laughs> however from production's point of view the script is might be too big and they can also be right because there can be things that cost a lot of money for one reason or another. It can be prohibitive because locations might be, you know, across town and therefore need a big move, which eats up a lot of time. The episode might call for a lot of casts that we have to fly in. I mean, there can be all re- all sorts of reasons why, from their perspective, It's big. We're doing an episode that has a lot of music. That's very time-consuming, even though it might be one paragraph on the page. And then the director will also have their own point of view on this. Of course, because from
0: their point of view, they want to be able to deliver every scene in the best way possible. So for them, it could be a big script. It could be that they want to be able to spend eight hours in in one particular scene, therefore they want to have less in other places. And it's like, the director's right, and production is right, and we are right. So
1: (laughs) when you're in a situation where everyone is right, it's hard. It can be a very circular discussion. Yeah. And because the thing is, what's funny is, and we're trying to realize this now and just acknowledge like everybody's right, as opposed to trying to prove that we're right, which is of course our, our first instinct is to be like, no, you don't understand. See, if you really understood what we were saying, You would see that we are right and you are wrong, and you would change how you're doing everything to accommodate our rightness.
0: (laughs) Or, Liz, we would
1: have to accept that we were wrong and change how we were doing. This is what I'm saying. And from their point of view, they also are arguing their rightness and waiting for us to go, oh, my God, you are so right. How did we miss this? We're so wrong. We are so wrong. We need to do this completely differently to accommodate you. So it just, it's really quite comical when you think about it. And these <laughs> conversations, are. I, there, there should be like a funny Gary Larson cartoon about these conversations we have where everyone is right.
0: <laughs> so, Liz, we should talk a little bit about how we're dealing with the everyone is rightness of these situations.
1: Yes. Our first step that we've found helpful is just to acknowledge it. As quickly as possible. Yes. To ourselves and others. To just be like, yes, you're right. Yeah. And we're right. And we're right. Staying calm is the best thing we can do. Now, that's also the hardest, of course. It's the hardest. But interestingly, I feel like as
0: we have come to this realization, because I have to say, this is not always true. We happen to be in a situation where it is true. Right. But I would say it's pretty unusual for for a everyone is right situation to pop up.
1: Although I do think when you're in production on a television show, it's often the case. Less so than
0: in this particular situation,
1: (laughs) but yes. But I think now
0: that we have acknowledged it, both in the minute to minute conversations and just overall, it is easier to just be calm and accept that we are in this interesting place Mm -hmm. of, all right, everybody's right, so we just have to figure it out.
1: Yes, which leads to, Sarah, something you realized recently was that we just need to commiserate. Sometimes (laughs) people just need to know that you hear them and that you understand that they're in a tough position and that you commiserate with what they're going through.
0: Yes, and this actually was a a strategy we employed recently that worked very well we were going into a conversation that we knew was going to be challenging about a particular production issue and we just said as we walked into it all right we're just here to commiserate yeah and we did we just were like i know yeah it's really tough it is it is and then somehow very quickly a solution was arrived upon
1: and here's what I will say, Sarah. We respond well when people commiserate with us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. We are equally like. If so, we're we just want someone to come in and say we get it. We know you're writing as fast as you can. Like we understand. Yeah. So it's funny how humans are just so predictable, and we are so <laughs> predictable, and we just need to stop, look at the situation, and take a step back because everyone sometimes is right. Yes, and commiserate. Commiserate. That's our new
0: motto. <laughs> that's that should be our motto for this show. Yes,
1: that's our show motto from now onward. Commiserate. It's not a it's tropical commiseration. Every every motto for this show has to have the word tropical in front of it.
0: Fantasy Island, twenty twenty one, tropical commiserate.
1: Coming up, we have two questions from the mailroom, but first is break.
0: Okay, Liz, it's time for our mailroom segment where we answer questions from the mailroom. Um, we got an email from Sarah. She wrote, let me set this up. I started talking to a guy on a dating app who lived about 90 minutes away. Due to our busy schedules, he's a lawyer, I'm a trained chef who runs a hospitality consulting firm, we started talking but couldn't plan a date to meet until two weeks after our match on the app. In the interim, he asked me to watch the show Billions on Amazon to give us something to do and discuss together before we met for our first date. He asked for my take on the show, and this is where the breakdown of our match, as well as my question lie. I saw stark contrasts in imagery and use of colors. The broker lead is always pictured in pristine white settings, modern and ultra clean. His wife is blonde, while his nemesis, the DA's wife, is a brunette who dresses in full dominatrix garb. The DA is also constantly featured in dark tones, mahogany woods, heavy books, etc. I think this was done intentionally to keep the viewer guessing who the bad guy in the show really is. My date could not believe I would put this much thought into the show and found the idea that the producers intentionally set it up to be completely absurd. He just saw an entertaining piece with lots of shock value and two men with personal vendettas against one another. So, yeah, no second date, obviously. The thought still intrigues me, though. Am I completely off base? How much do you, as writers and producers, try to convey with imagery? How intentional are your scenes? Well, Sarah,
1: you'll be happy to know that you are right. He was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is not a case of everyone is right. You're right. (laughs) You're right. He's wrong. A hundred percent, the fact that one person is, they are living in a white space and another person is living in a dark, heavy space, or, you know, their office is a dark, heavy space is absolutely intentional. What they wear is absolutely intentional. That's why... You know, when we talked about going to doing our show and tell for Fantasy Island, one of the things you're talking about is how you are expressing each character in their wardrobe, in the settings in which we see them. In the color palette that you're surrounding them with. And yes, hair color can absolutely
0: be a part of that. It can also be random. I will say that's the one thing where you're like, if you have the best actress, you just go with that actor.
1: Yeah, but sometimes people have an actress dye her hairs. True. True. Yes, we have. So it absolutely is intentional. And I mean, by the way, I would think all the production designers and costume designers and set decorators and all the people out there would not appreciate this guy thinking they just slapped some stuff together and put it on screen. Everything is intentional. Yes.
0: No, everything in the written words on the page and in where we set a scene, you know, why it's in a living room versus a bedroom, for yes. example, versus a deck. Like every single choice that you see on a screen is definitely intentional.
1: Yes. So you're right. He's wrong. Okay, Sarah, now we have a voicemail question from Becky. Let's listen.
0: This is Becky. and My question is, you guys have been working together for so long and you're good friends. How do you navigate those times when you don't see eye to eye? Uh, a year ago, yes, in COVID, three awesome ladies and I decided to open a business, a travel agency business, and that's been a whole journey, and it's been awesome and amazing, and sometimes we don't all see eye to eye, and we're really good friends. And I just was wondering how you guys manage those situations where you may not see eye to eye, but you want to preserve the business, do what's best for the business, as well as remain good cooperative working partners together. So thanks. And again, love the show. Have a great day and enjoy the Grand Reserve. It's so lovely. Okay, Becky, thank you. That is a great question. Yeah, Liz, Becky left us another voicemail where she said that she was here right before we were, which is crazy. I know
1: that is. I love it. Come to Puerto Rico. Enjoy (laughs) the sun. Indeed. Okay, so how can Becky and her friends maneuver this territory? Well, four is a lot. I mean, two is easier than four because it's easier to get two people to agree than four people to agree. I think there's an obvious thing, which is that they can vote on issues and and just accept that the majority rules, but then they may be two to two and and then have a stalemate. Right. But that also
0: necessitates that whoever is on the losing end fully accepts and doesn't sort of hold any animosity about being on the losing end.
1: Yes. And it's interesting, Sarah, because, you know, people ask us all the time how we deal with our partnership. And my answer is always the reason it works is because we have the same level of ambition. Right. And we also have the same values having grown up together, which, of course, also helps. Um, (laughs) But, like, if you have the same goals, then it's very likely that the four of you will make the same decisions. If you don't have the same goals, it is extremely unlikely that you'll make, wanna make the same decisions. So, I mean, I think everybody needs to be really clear about what they want. Like if this is a hobby for one person and for someone else, they're seeing this as the main source of income for their entire family, for instance, you're not gonna have the same goals very possibly, and that's gonna lead to a lot of conflict that could actually get quite ugly. So, I think you need to make sure everybody's on the same page first off, just at, from the outset before you're arguing about anything. And when we do have arguments, I mean, what we really do is whoever feels the most passionate wins. And it's again easier to do with two of us. Right. And I think having been partners for so long, Sarah, we kind of now see the big view where we're like, if we don't get our way on something, we're like, eh, next time I will. Absolutely. At this point, We may have had a huge
0: disagreement about something yesterday, and if we did, I don't remember. We really, once something is decided, put it away and don't hold on to... Like, there is no tally sheet of, like, Liz won that one, so I have to win this one. So And, oh, Liz won a big one, so I have to win three small ones or whatever a tally sheet would be. Like, we do not have one of those. And I think if you have one, it probably is unhealthy and will lead to the dissolution of certainly the company and probably the friendship. Like, there can't be any kind of keeping score Yeah. But I I think one of the things that we're good at is talking things through when it's necessary. Like some Mm. things we could talk through for a 100 years and still not see eye to eye. And, you know, and I think we know those things now. So we go with the whoever's more passionate wins. Yeah. But – on some things, like, you really need to talk it through until you reach a resolution. And I think this is something we learned when we were working with Marsha Clark on The
1: Fix. Yes, because we did have – we had three people then, yeah. So then we had to get three people to agree. <laughs>
0: exactly. And so we just talked about it until we found the solution. And I think we talked about – um we did a couple episodes with Marsha where we talked about collaborating. Mm-hmm. And we really did find that if we – just kept working on something, we came to the idea that was better than the original ideas that we had.
1: Yeah, and I think, Sarah, you know, people, this might not surprise anyone listening to the podcast, since all we do here is talk, but it (laughs) is quite amazing how much time you and I will spend talking and analyzing something. We will go and go and go.
0: Yes, and sometimes that, can just be a circular thing that isn't fruitful. And sometimes it's incredibly productive. So you have to kind of know the difference. And you also have to know that there might be a couple people in your group who don't want to talk things through. And there might be a couple people in your group who do. And that, again, goes to why I think it's probably harder to have four than two. But if you're going to have four, you really have to be accepting of the differences within
1: your group. And find the humor in them.
0: Yes, laugh. laugh.
1: Laughter, that's key. And Sarah, might I suggest that all four of you, Becky, take my sister Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies quiz. Oh. Because if everyone knows each other's tendency, it can help you understand how you work and that can help your communication improve and that can ease your way as you go forward in this endeavor. Yes. So go to GretchenRubin.com um, and you will find the tendency quiz and and then tell us what your tendencies are. We're curious. Yeah. So good luck, Becky
0: and friends. Thank yes. you so much for your voicemail. Good luck with your company. That's a, that's a great company as we're sort of starting to return to being able to travel. That's a yes. great field. So good luck.
1: Good luck. Okay, Sarah, it is time for The Craft and Fane, in which we talk about the craft of writing. Today, we have a tool of the trade. It's like a subset of The Craft and Fane. And it is a tool of the trade that has changed our life, and it's not an overstatement to say the lives of the entire writing staff of Fantasy (laughs) Island. We have discovered something that none of us knew existed, we have never seen, that is the most wondrous thing. And it is an item called Jumbo Neon Dry Erase Whiteboard Magnets. Can you explain what these wondrous things are, Sarah? Yes.
0: Now, I should say we stumbled upon them purely by accident. So one of the strategies for breaking a story on a whiteboard is to have these sort of little magnet tiles that you write a bead on and then you stick it on the board. That's what we did on the fix. But they were just like white pieces of magnet that you stick on the board, very unexciting, not really the right size. So we asked, though, since we have these whiteboards here in Puerto Rico in our writer's room, we asked for some of those. And what we got instead are these jumbo neon dry erase whiteboard magnets, which are so perfect Okay, first of all, a pack of them comes in multiple colors. I think there's four or five different colors in each pack. And they have a strip at the top that's a slightly darker shade. So that's where you can put the location of a scene. So you can be like, exterior dock, and then write down what happens there on the main part of the little magnet tile. And they're big enough. Like, that's the other thing. They're big enough that you can really write down what's in a scene, but they're not. Too big. I mean, these things are game changers. I know.
1: They're eight by ten, we should say, the ones that we have. Um, and what's great is when you're breaking a story, and I'm sure it's true for lots of type work projects, you want to differentiate, like we differentiate between characters. So we would always like write work in a red marker, and Ruby in a green marker, and Javier in a black marker, whatever it is. And that's how we would distinguish. Well, now we can just use the card. The whole background is a character's color. And it's just so easy to distinguish.
0: And they're just so easy. Like, you just erase them if you change the scene. And, uh, and you can move them around to restructure and act. They're really wonderful. But I have to say, they're not inexpensive. They're very expensive. They're actually expensive. quite expensive. If you need enough cards, which, of course, You will to break an entire episode, it's going to be quite an investment. Just for 12 cards, it's $42. And you really need a lot of these cards.
1: Yeah. You need at least like 40. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. But worth every penny for us, Sarah. I mean, never will we use anything but these again. Absolutely. Aside from a computer.
0: Yes. And the actual markers that you use to write on them, I feel like they're the most important tool we have.
1: Yes. And I think all sorts of industries could use these. So just everybody check them out.
0: Check them out. They're a wonderful tool of the trade.
1: OK, coming up, we have a reading Hollywood hack. But first, this break.
0: Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack, Read a
1: Romance. Yes, Sarah, this came up because I'm trying to read 21 minutes every day of 21, doing hashtag read 21 and 21 with Gretchen. And I've had a really hard time reading in Puerto Rico because, you know, we're just so overwhelmed. I've listened to a couple of books, which has been good, but I really wanted to read but I really was having a hard time concentrating. So I decided I was going to read a romance that I had brought. Now I should say you and I both grew up loving romances, like straight up Nora Roberts type romances. hundred percent. And I hadn't read one though for probably at least 15 or 20 years, I'd say. Yeah. But I happened to have one and I happened to just put it in my bag and bring it with me when we came to Puerto Rico and I started reading it and Sarah it was it is the most delightful <laughs> thing to revisit like I'm like oh my god I love romances there's a reason I've read hundreds of romances I love reading romances and it I can actually read it And it doesn't require so much concentration that it puts me off, you know? And so it's really helping me relax. And so I was like, everyone should read a romance or whatever does that for you. So some people, like I was thinking about Anna, your stepmom... She loves mystery novels she is
0: absolutely obsessed with mystery novels and will I mean she'll read a mystery novel or more in a day just like shoot she just goes through them like nothing I've ever seen and I love mystery novels like that as well but I don't For me, they don't sweep me away quite as much as a romance, mm-hmm. and I haven't read one in forever. I will say I did read the um, Julia Quinn books that the Bridgerton show is based on, but mm. I read them so long ago. And I haven't really read any romances since then. And I'm like, why? Why am I not reading them? They really do just take you away. Yeah. And that is that is what we need right now. I know. And
1: everyone has that. So whether it's that you used to read comic books and love them or spy thrillers, whatever it is, pick up that thing that you love and read it. Now, Sarah, I am, the book I'm reading is called Destiny's Embrace by Beverly Jenkins. And when I am done with it, I will give it to you and you can take it to Minnesota with you and enjoy it.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. I will be reading it on the deck and I don't know. I will, you know what? I will do 21 minutes of reading every day as well. I will commit to that. Although if I'm reading that book, it'll probably be more than 21. I'll just sit there and read. And I apologize when I don't answer the phone. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already.
1: Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound.
0: Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project.
1: Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole 30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler.
0: Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Every scene. In a really wonderful – what, Liz? You just frowned. Oh, just my
1: thing dinged. I didn't know if you heard it.
0: Oh, I thought I said something terrible.
1: Oh, no. I was (laughs) frowning at the dinging of my computer. Sorry. (laughs) Didn't hear it. Um, I wasn't even listening (laughs) to you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: And then from the director's point of view –